what up y'all um for those that are tuning in early it's gonna be the follow-up with uh gump for the podcast what do i do now um i appreciate y'all checking in gordon i see you what up what up and um if you haven't checked out my podcast yet definitely check it out it is live on spotify anchor like 17 other things and gump is already here we in the place to be i say what's up though what up can you hear me okay I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Perfect. Mm-hmm. How are you doing today, my dear? Good. How are you? It's Friday. I'm I'm glad we made it to the weekend. Happy it's Friday. good to see you. You know, you look like you're in good health. You're looking blessed. You too. I'm I'm trying to be. Just just a little bit out here. Not a lot of it. Just a are little bit. The, are you at the studio? I am at the station still. Yeah, we just wrapped up the show. So, you know, I'm like, you know, let me knock this out. We're going to do it from here. And um, yeah, so it's gonna it's called the follow up. I'm gonna do these after every episode, and of course we did um the what do I do now episode, in sometime like late August. So it's been a minute since you know the initial taping. Then it launched on uh, this past Monday. Mm-hmm. So we done talked about it. We've been texting back and forth on certain things, and let's just get right into it. So a lot of people that at least had given me the response were like, so what exactly? did your husband die from? And that's something that I'm like, you know, you got to be very, very gentle with certain people because, you know, that may be a wound that they don't necessarily want to open again. So I guess if you want to, you know, discuss that with the people, feel free. He died of a heart attack. So in February, 2017, he went to the hospital thinking that he had pneumonia and he ended up having a heart attack. So they transported him to a different hospital. He was in the ICU for a week. He ended up having four stents put in his heart. Wow. When, he, when he left, he only had 30% heart function. And so he lived for six months after that. July 3rd, he went to his cardiologist for a follow-up and they told him as far as the heart goes, anything over 50% is a full recovery. And he had like 59% and he died July 7th from a heart attack at home. So, um, was that anything that he was already predisposed of with heart disease or anything like that? Was that just something that unfortunately was a health reason? Um, he had a genetic cholesterol disease that he did not know. If he would have went to the doctor when he was younger, he would be alive today. And that's something that, you know, especially in the black community, um, especially with black men and, you know, noticing like even more so lately with Chadwick and how he was fighting colon cancer all those years, no one knew about it. And I'm thinking even now looking retroactively, like I wanted to say he was going to come out of it and then like, Hey, you guys, this is what would have happened. But unfortunately we didn't get that second half of the story. So, I mean, I know me personally, I've absolutely made sure I checked out, um, everything this year. Like I have glasses now because I went to go get my vision checked. There's certain <laughs> things that I'm taking care of now that I definitely was, you know, like, yeah, whatever. But health is absolutely key, um, especially right now in this pandemic because there's it's way too much going on. Listen, black men and heart disease is like peanut butter and jelly. So that's why the black men, 40, 50 year old, they don't make it because they don't go to the doctor. They don't check their blood pressure. They don't take their medication. And if my husband did any of that, he wouldn't have died at 34. He just had no idea. Yeah, so definitely um, strongly advocating for making sure whoever's watching right now, whoever's listening right now, please take your health seriously. Know your family history. If you haven't had that conversation with 
an aunt and an uncle outside of just your parents. Because at the end of the day, like, my dad has a total of 10 siblings. My mom has a total of six siblings. So I got to, like, know who is getting what and this, that, and the other and what I need to start getting checked for. It's definitely real. Yes, it is real. All right. So one thing I do want to follow up with um, is about your kids. As I asked, I want to say if it was in yesterday, it was the day before last, like, had your kids listened to the actual podcast. And I want you to share what you shared with me. So my kids were so proud. We were listening on the way to lacrosse. And um, my daughter was cool at first. Like, she was happy. She loved her birthday shout out. But she, I guess she forgot that the head, shoulders, knees, and toes joke. And it sent her into a panic attack. So I've been dealing with that all week. She has Mm. extreme anxiety since, because me and my kids were at the house when he died. So we were in the room. So there's a lot of trauma involved with that. She struggles really bad. And that just was a trigger for her. But it's good to hear her dad be celebrated and that people care. Absolutely, because it's not just a simple of, you know, he he lived and he died. Because it wasn't that, like, again, that was a father, that was a husband. And I definitely want to speak proud to his name, Marquise. I definitely want to make sure I say it in, in all of his greatness. And, you know, he's definitely very well missed. Um, he's left behind a beautiful family that I know he would love to be here for, love to be here with. Um, but I do want to commend you on being an incredible mom. Um, I know you, today is National Daughters Day. You just put a picture with your daughter on social media I saw earlier. And mm-hmm. I know you're very, very active with your sons. The cross is, is all the way in full swing again. So, you know, I, I personally want to champion for you right now. Thank you Thank for, you. you know, really not hanging your, hanging, hanging your head when the crown falls off because you are absolutely a true queen in that right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. So one thing that I do want to, I guess, circle back with is the actual love portion of the uh, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. And what I want to know is where does love fit in your life currently? Is that something that you're just like, you know what, I'm a full-time mom, I'm not really looking for that aspect, or is it I'm interested in possibly finding the next person to possibly fill a void? Um, well, not, well, here's what I'll say. He doesn't fill a void, because I don't think that you're ever going to move on from that, like, at all. I don't want to take that and have that misconstrued. So let me rephrase that, um, <laughs> to be in addition to the life you currently live. Um, I just recently started dating my therapist had to talk me into it because I was you know a lot of people don't experience the love that I experienced especially at a young age and it lasts and I was like there's no way I'm going to experience this twice so like that was just stuck in my head I was cool with being alone and you know she was like you just can't be alone like that he wouldn't want that he's not like sitting on the moon making sure that you stay alone so you know it seems crazy but I have started dating and I don't even look I don't compare you know what I'm saying like I don't everything you could especially when it comes to that like that those shoes were are going to be there it doesn't like you can be beside those shoes but you're never going to be in those shoes that and that's something that I've had to try to maneuver through because in different parts of my life in different stages, I would be comparing this person to the person before the person I've had the longest. And A, it's not fair, but B, it's also not realistic. 
because no one's ever going to be built the same. No one's going to handle you and treat you the same way. It's um, it's something that you really have to be open to, and that's something that that's it's bringing a smile to my face, knowing that like you know what I am trying to put myself back out there into a potential dating situation. Cause that's that's touchy. Like I know my grandmother never remarried after my grandfather passed. That's just that wasn't what she wanted, and that's you know something that not a lot. It's easier. Okay, I need to you know continue living or no I've, I've experienced what i need to experience it's i'm kind of like i'm gonna just close off and i'm gonna be by myself and that's okay and you're fine with that so to kind of be right there in the middle where you do understand that that love that you had and produced two beautiful children out of that's that's a one of one yeah. but you're also you know open to the idea of like you know what there may be someone else that is special to me that can be special for me and my kids yeah yes me first my kids, that might take me a minute, but me first. Very true. Very true. So in a, I guess, a perfect world, in a situation where you have someone that you're seeing involved with and things of nature, how much time are you going to, like, keep him away from the family dynamic before you introduce him, like, hey, so this is someone I'm serious about? Or do you have a timetable at all? I don't have a timetable. I am so protective of my kids. They lost so much. Not only did they lose my husband, they lost an aunt that was like a mom to them. Like I lost a lot of relationships because of grief after the fact. They Mm. lost a lot of people that loved them. So I will never be the mom that just lets men come and go just because I might be in love or it might be serious. Like you have to be invested. So I don't know. I don't, I don't have a times table because it has to be, I have to be sure that this is something that's going to last. Cause there is mom, Carrie, and then there's Gump and she exists after bedtime. So you really don't need to be involved with my kids if you don't want to be. Gotcha. Yeah. So what is one thing that after listening to it, just like, I wish I would have said this. I wish he would have asked me this. Like, is there anything you felt like you left on the table? Because again, like the way these, uh, the podcast is set up is I don't want to take 40 some minutes to draw like the same three questions and things like that. And working in radio, like I'm straight to the point. Like I'd rather just get to it in out. Like I'm trying to keep it concise and I don't want this to run. 50 hours long, anything like that. But at the same time, I don't want to minimize um, the reality of it. Because at the end of the day, like, the love you found is something that I'm hoping to aspire to get to. And what you share with the people um, on social media, and definitely make sure you're following her at Gumption Raw on Twitter. Make, I got to shameless plug it real quick. I had to do it. Um, <laughs> What is, is, is there something you can look back at the initial podcast, and I want to say this, like, four weeks after the fact, that you want to, like, mention now, or get, yeah, just really mention now? I don't know that there's anything that we missed. I just think that grief is so deep, love is so deep, that you could spend hours talking about it, and your your questions were so great, like, I was shocked at how well they were asked. So it's just you finding what's comfortable for your podcast. Like if you feel like 
you could ask me a little bit more questions about love or you wanted to go in a different direction, you could talk about that shit for hours. Facts. You and know, that's, it's, and that's it's, the reality it's really of what you want, you know, but don't be scared that you're going to cross a line because anybody coming on to this podcast is going to know that their trauma or their story, whatever it is that you're, you're talking about mm-hmm. is the topic. So I came on fully expecting, you know, grief. I'm trying not to cry, you know, be sensitive in front of everybody because that's not my jam. You can thug it out if you need to, because we like the back and forth the, that the text message the last few days. Like, trust me, I, I, it was gonna be one Denzel tear. Was that like you? You hit a few strings on this end too, because I, I, I do want to thank you for the support and the trust that you put in me. Like again, because this is like a. I want this to be clear on the podcast on the Instagram live right now. This is the first time I'm actually physically seeing you on a medium like this. Like this is all text messages, all DMs. This is all like everything like that. So it's been a a real like trust is a thing that you got to be careful with because everybody doesn't get the same access. And I think you know that. I think I know that. And I think a lot of people listen. Just like not everybody has the same level of access um, to you that just like any anyone off the street. Yeah. There's people on the timeline that you like you can key key and parlay with this any other. But you just like I keep you there. Like you yes. are only on social media that's just what it is so the ability for us to you know linked up and kept in touch this and like like this entire weekend you stand on like so how many streams we how many people we got listening like (laughs) i i i personally want to thank you it's it's definitely meant the world to me and you know to go on this journey and to have it start with someone that i did not know in in complete i've only seen your work i've only seen the website and that's where i got like okay so I knew the anniversary was coming up. Like, I did my research. That's what I'm supposed to do. But at the same time, you're supposed to actually be able to trust that person in the interview aspect. And, I, again, thank you for trusting me. Yeah, thank you for having me. You've been great. You made it easy to trust you. You're a real one. You did. You're a real one. All right, so something I do want to talk about because it was actually it had come up and I, I definitely want to take this time and something that we're doing in real time and is going to go on the podcast is the Breonna Taylor version. We were even back and forth on when to promote, you know, continue to promoting the, um, the podcast because that ruling has a lot of people feeling a lot of emotion and there are people so in the entertainment industry that are doing things at the wrong time and not reading the room. And that's something that I absolutely want to make sure I was cognitive of, but I'm just glad a woman brought that to my attention. Like, hey, we got to make sure that this is done in at the right time and not pulling. That's already a tough situation and try to self-serve. So how my question right now is, how are you feeling about the Rihanna Tater verdict and in pursuit of justice? I just think it's, it's insanity that how do you dish out 12 million, but nobody's held accountable? How do I tell my daughter who is black that she could just be sleeping and get shot and killed? It's just continuous disappointment after continuous disappointment. And these calls for peace, they just, they make no sense to me because peace doesn't change anything never in our history has a has peace made a difference 
never. When has anyone in power handed over something like, hey, friend, great, this was a great idea. Never, it just doesn't happen, you know? So I just think temperatures are high and I didn't want people to be turned off from you and what you're doing, because I think that this is special. You know, the focus needed to be on people's raw emotion on her because she deserves that. Absolutely. Um, as someone that has to stay on top of the news cycle and stay on like as much as in and out of what's, whatever's going on and I got to know what's going on. Like this one was tough because I remember coming in um, to work and I get a phone call from my program director saying, hey, you know, they're going to drop the verdict at 1.15, the conference is at 1.30. So I'm already in my head like, I know something's going to happen. You already saw that curfews are going to be in check. They said the cops in Louisville weren't going to be on vacation anymore. So they they got all hands on deck for the BS because they knew it was coming. Bullshit. And to get the the charges, two officers not even charged whatsoever, one charge, or excuse me, one officer, three counts of wanton endangerment, which no one knew about. Like no one in, like I know we all watch Law and & Order and we, a lot of cop shows and things like that. <laughs> But I know I've never heard of that, and it just made zero sense. It still makes zero sense. And the one thing that you know, the person I work for, Ryan Cameron, had brought up is when AG Attorney General Daniel Cameron mentioned that in their findings, they've not located the initial warrant, whether it was a no knock, whether it was a, what whatever type of warrant there was. Like, how does this go missing? That's I think that and I think that's a smoking gun of the situation. I think that might be what is going on. I think that there's Warren's something behind it. Cameras yeah. are off. Oh yeah, no body cameras. You know, there's no camera footage until after the fact. Like it, just, it doesn't add up. You let a girl bleed out for minutes. Not to mention that same cop that was charged. He used to work in Lexington, Kentucky, about an hour and 17 minutes away. He had got dismissed from that law enforcement office because over sexual assault, which apparently he was acquitted of, but also failure to render aid. So, like, it's, there was just, there's a lot of issues that in the world that we're dealing with. Yes. And it is just, it's rough. And I do want to read this time real quick uh, from Sarcastic South, too. Black people have never known peace in this nation. And that's the shame of it all. I mean, that's Back. what is peace at the end of the day? Like, I think even touching into that is like everything that's happened thus far has come after we done tore some shit up. And that's just the what it is. That's just Cut true. dry. You, you... True. Violence is American as apple fucking pie. That's just what it is. Yeah, everything we're doing. Period. Yeah. Across the world, period. When do people give up power? and make change because it's the right thing to do. Like, oh, I'ma just do the right thing to these motherfuckers don't can I curse on here? I'm sorry. Go for it. I'm, I'm sorry. Let run it. Run it. These motherfuckers just they don't do that. So for all these calls of peace, it just it blows me. It's not the time for that. And I think that if any generation, it would be this one. Cause you can see it, their social media, the to heighten all the emotions. Like, we have the opportunity to make real change. Absolutely. If we all come together and do it. All right, so 
to go back to you being a mother of two, two black children, mm -hmm. um, what's the conversation you've had with your daughter? And then is it the same conversation you've had with your son? Oh, see, me and my husband have done such a good job. Like this didn't just start. Like we have always, my kids are raised black. I know they're biracial and that's a whole other conversation, whatever, but they're, they're black. My whiteness is everywhere. I don't have to celebrate who I am because it's just fucking everywhere. But black people and the culture is not. You're not going to go to school and be celebrated in your culture. So we've always done that. We've always had the conversations. My kids know they don't have the same privilege of their white friends, especially my son hanging around like the white kids in sports. He's always one of two or just him. You know, like if you see them doing crazy shit, you can't do it. You just can't. Because that cop pulls up, guess who's going to jail? So, you know, we took, me and the kids went down and we protested and my son got in front of, in front of everybody and he led a protest, protest chant. I'm trying not to cry, sorry. No, no, it's, this uh, is real. This I don't, I don't want you to like, feel like you can't do that because at the end of the day, like the vulnerability is what brings us together. Yeah. So, like, you got to shed a tear, do what you got to do. If you need, like, family a second, I got you. <laughs> so, we went down. Like, it's just so important that they know that I am safe. You know, like, I'm safe. I'm going to make sure that they are informed. I'm going to make sure they have the knowledge. I'm going to make sure that they know what's real out here. Mm -hmm. You know, and we're going to do what we can do to make a change. So... I feel that. So now my question is because I don't know the area you're at, you're, that you reside in, or anything like that. But um, my question is really t geared towards your son of sports mm -hmm. because I grew up in it in an area where I mean, there's suburbs. We're not gonna cap. Like that's like my parents did well enough where we're a middle class black family, mm -hmm. and I want to say there may be in like maybe five or six in the subdivision, maybe a hundred houses and whatnot. So you knew all the black families there. You know, we went to the same schools and things like that. But when it came to like some sports teams and things like that, you may be the only black face on that roster. And then you go to certain schools, it's like an all white school and you know like it's you know, it's just different. And if for those that are listening or watching right now, in Indiana, you know, going to Kokomai school there's one game that I literally always, like, made sure, like, if I could keep my mom and family at home for it, because I didn't, like, regardless of senior year or not, um, tip the high school. And it's just, like, the racial tensions there, it's just, like, it's what it is. And it's their place you don't stop through for gas, for nothing. You just, like, you avoid at all costs. And those, that's definitely one of those cities. And even playing there, getting a little hostile and whatnot, you hear the yet, 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 yet. Um... Has your son had to deal with any of that yet? Or are you in an area where just like it's everyone's welcome and this, that, and yet? Are we living in the new 2020 where everyone's no, all no. this racial uh, acceptance and inclusion? Or is he like, does he get reminded, oh, you know you black, right? Like you, you play good, but you know you black, right? Yeah, no, he definitely gets reminded. My neighborhood is predominantly black, so... It's not in the neighborhood, but his lacrosse team is a club team and it's, you know, they have money and all that and it's predominantly white. And um, last 
was it last season? It was last season. He got called the N-word by one of his teammates. And the coach handled it. I had no idea. So the way tournaments are set up, they play a game, they um, they break, and then the second game, the third game, whatever and whatever. I had no idea. The entire tournament, I had no idea. This happened in the first game. Kate got sent home. Like, it was immediately addressed. The apologies came out. Like, they held um, race conversations for the boys because it's a Native American sport, so, but it's all white, you know. So he gets reminded. So from a mother's standpoint um, and knowing that, like, even you, there was nothing you could do because it was already handled. Yeah. No, but I what would he have done in that situation? If, if you had the ability to go mom mode in that situation, what would you have done? Oh, I, we would have fought. We would have fought the the best thing that happened that day was that man intervened. My son went right to his coach and was like, he called me the N-word four times. Like it oh, was this, this wasn't even a one and done. He, no, he it was like, you know, you know you are. You know you're this. You know that, right? Like you know you're this on the sidelines wow. of the game. And um that was the best thing. Like I was mad and like, well, what the fuck do I do with it now? And I think he knew that. And he was so great about it. Like I really, even with George Floyd, like they put out all this information about changing your heart at home because it is predominantly white and why this matters, why the protest matters. Like just because it doesn't affect you doesn't mean that other people aren't affected. So if you teach that at home, things can change. So I will give it to the league every single time with the way that they handle that situation. Because it would have gotten ugly on that sideline. I promise you that. Oh, I can only imagine. I mean. I promise. Whew. I, and the thing is, when it comes to competitive nation, things like that, if I've heard, like, I've heard it, but not during the game, not, not directed at me, this, that, and the other, because, I mean, I used to do travel teams and this, that, and the other, like, you, you're reminded where you're at. That's I think that's just where it is and it's a uh, it's a temperature gauge and whatnot. So as a former athlete, as someone that, you know, has been to all white environments and things like that and hearing it is it'll change you at the same time it is like, all right then. I I know like I turn up a, a little bit more knowing like that's what you think. So I'm gonna show you this N word and I'm like and we're gonna run you out the gym. So it some people like it's you can kind of go two ways. Either like, damn, like I'm just trying to compete. I'm just trying to be here in this space, and that's all I'm here for. But I gotta carry my race on my back on top of being a competitor. Like it's, it can become very, very trying. But it sounds like your son has a great head on his shoulders. Sounds like he has a great foundation from both his parents. And I mean, yeah, that's another hats like off to you for that because there's some kids that would have started fighting. Yeah, he went, I, he went right yeah. to his coach. You know, and then I he did the right thing. That's that's yeah. solid parenting. That's him being a responsible athlete because he didn't want to get sent home. That's what that was. He wanted to compete. <laughs> there you go. So. That's what it's about. Yeah. Well, I'm not gonna hold too much of your time. I know it's Friday night. I'm pretty sure you got things you are trying to get done. I want to thank you for this again. The follow up to an amazing first episode of What Do I Do Now. 
Gump, tell the people how they can find you right now. Gumption Raw on Twitter. Hit me up. Follow me there. Most of you already do. Just come on, follow me. Definitely check out the website, gumptionrawinuncut.com, correct? Yes, yes. Just like that. <laughs> so, Gump, I appreciate you. you um, so I'll be in close contact with you. Um, this episode will be um, live on Anchor later tonight um, and on Spotify and everything else like that. You already know what it is. Make sure you follow us both. Um, thank you for everyone that's checked in, uh, was respi- responding, seeing all the hearts go up. So it looks like people are really rocking with us right now. Again, we will do this again, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. I hope you have a great evening. Everyone have a blessed night. Stay safe. The next episode is dropping on Monday. Next episode is going to be crazy. Shout out to Bree Singleton. She is my next uh, guest. Shout out to the ladies that's holding down my season. I ain't going to cap. It's what it is. The ladies are representing. I can't yes. wait to listen. Yes. That's all I like hearing. So we will get to it. We'll get back at it. And I'll talk to everybody soon. All right. Bye-bye. Peace.